movies, new movies, old movies, um, Hallmark movies. How many Hallmark movie people do we have? We won't judge you much. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's that season. We're re-watching our favorite movies. It's also the season of the debate as to what qualifies as a Christmas movie, specifically Die Hard. It, it is a Christmas movie. That should settle the debate right there. But it's, it's the season of movies. And so maybe you've got some plans to go see a Christmas movie, or maybe you have uh, a group of Christmas movies uh, that you watch every single year as a family. This is probably one of them for some of you, Home Alone. It's one of the most popular Christmas movies, and uh, people tend to watch it every year. You, you know the story. Uh, Kevin's family has all come in for the night. The place is crowded. There are people everywhere, and the, Kevin's not real happy that there are people everywhere. Some of you can probably relate to that here on the backside of Thanksgiving. Kevin uh, is not being very nice. Uh, he feels like everyone else is not being very nice to him, but he's not being very nice. Uh, the, the reason the house is crowded is because everybody's taking a trip to Paris the next morning. The whole family is going to fly to Paris and uh, celebrate the Christmas holidays uh, together. Uh, it, finally, Kevin's mom, as you saw in the video, has had enough, and she takes Kevin to the third floor attic bonus room, and tells him that you are going to spend the night here and I don't want to see you again until the morning. And, that, and that's when Kevin says it, right? Kevin says, I wish my whole family would disappear. I, I won't ask if you said that in the last few days. But we know how family is, right? We love them. Uh, we share DNA with them. Uh, we have experiences together with them. But family's a lot sometimes, like a, a whole lot. And Kevin had had his fill of family and says, I wish I would never see you again. I wish you would all disappear and goes to bed. And that night, you remember the movie, there's a storm. It knocks out the power to the house. So everyone oversleeps. They wake up in a panic. They're in a rush to get to the airport. They load up the cars. Kevin's on the third floor. They rush away to the airport, and they leave Kevin home alone. And when Kevin wakes up, he realizes what's happening. He realizes that he is all alone in the house, and he, he says with a mischievous grin, I made my family disappear. And he was so happy about it. Like it was the greatest thing that had ever happened in Kevin's life because he could do whatever he wanted. He could eat what he wanted. When he wanted, where he wanted, he could jump on the bed. Nobody would, nobody would uh, make him stop. He could watch whatever movie he wanted to watch. Uh, he could try his dad's cologne. That didn't end real well for Kevin, but he did all the things that he's always wanted to do. And so overall, for Kevin, it was great being alone for a little while, for a little while. And after he'd done all of these things and had all of this fun and felt like he was getting away with so much, as Christmas got closer, his attitude started to change. He began to see families going to Christmas Eve service together and other families gathering together to eat together and open presents together. He saw that every other family in the community was pulling up in driveways and all gathering together. And Kevin was going back to an empty house. And he even changed his, 
his wish at one point. He tracks down Santa in town and he, he wants to turn his wish around. He wants his whole family to come back. And he convinces himself that <clears throat> on Christmas morning, they will be back. And Christmas morning arrives and they're not back. And he has to defeat the wet bandits in the midst of all of that. But the, the driving force of the movie is Kevin wants to be alone until he doesn't want to be alone. Kevin thinks alone would be great until it's not great. I think a lot of us <clears throat> can be that way. Uh, being alone has some upside, right? Let's be honest. We all need alone time. Like we all, some of us need more alone time than other people. Alone time is not a bad thing. Uh, being alone can feel freeing, right? Independent non-conformist. You can't tell me what to do. I'm my own person. You're not the boss of me, right? Alone, you get to decide everything when you're alone. There's some, there's some real upside to alone, but being alone is great until it isn't. Being alone is great until it isn't, until you want somebody there. Or until you need somebody there, until you need someone <clears throat> to talk to, you need someone's encouragement, you need someone that will listen. If we're not careful, we can slowly in the world that we live in, a world that consistently seeks to divide us and, and isolate us and alienate us, we can convince ourselves we don't really need anybody. We all probably have that feeling at some point. We're angry with everyone. We're having a bad day. I don't really need anybody. I don't need relationship. I don't need, I don't need church. I, I, don't, I don't need friends. I don't need to know people. We can begin to convince ourselves that this is a fulfilling way to live. It was interesting, as I was reading about loneliness over the past couple of weeks, not only the emotional um, consequences of loneliness, but study after study, <clears throat> as I read, uh, showed that there are physical consequences to loneliness. Like when it just goes on and on and on. When, when there's deep emotional loneliness, it increases the risk of coronary heart disease, increases the risk of high blood pressure, the risk of cognitive decline, the risk of stroke. Many of the surveys said that the effects of loneliness <clears throat> rival are similar to the risk of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. It shows up in the body. Right? It shows up in us physically. One, one study found that the risk of loneliness is equivalent to the risk of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now, I don't know how you measure that. Right? I'm not a scientist. I don't know how you say 15 instead of 14. or I don't know how they come to that conclusion. But the consistent theme of studies on loneliness is, yes, there are emotional consequences. There are relational consequences. But there are even physical consequences to the feeling of being alone. One of the challenges of loneliness is, 
it's not always as easy to detect as we might think. Um, we are around people all the time. We're busy. We work with people. Uh, we have neighbors. We're around people all the time. And so uh, those feelings of fatigue that we have or discouragement or that slight feeling of depression, we may attribute it to other things when it may be driven by a lack of relational disconnection with other people. And not only is it difficult to detect in ourselves, in our own hearts, it's probably even more difficult to detect in other people. As you rub shoulders with other people, it's not real easy to determine who's experienced a sense of loneliness and, and who isn't. The loudest person in the room sometimes is the loneliest person in the room. The person that is around people all of the time could be, can be, the loneliest person. The, the person who always shares their opinion is sometimes the loneliest person. And sometimes they're the loneliest person because they always share their opinion. But nonetheless, it is sometimes hard to read clues because what we think of as being well-connected is not necessarily what our emotions interpret as being well connected. Uh, sometimes it's easy. They've withdrawn. They've disappeared. It's obvious they're isolating themselves from other people. But it's not always that easy. Right? We live very much in a disconnected world. Even though we're electronically connected so much to other people. Now, you know things about people from 20 years in your past that you wouldn't have known without the Internet. We're, we have this Internet electronic connection, but we all know that doesn't make up for all of the needs of my heart, all of the personal, relational connection of my heart. And Hallmark Christmas music, movies can only fill that gap so much in our life. We can only fill it with other things to a certain degree. The other challenge we have this Christmas and, and in the time that we live in is that we have created, we have come up with reasons to separate ourselves from other people. We've become much stricter about what will cause me to break off a relationship with someone or see someone as other than, or see someone as the enemy, or see someone as on, on the wrong side. We, we have all now of these opinions and issues where we, we stand with a side, or we stand on a different side, and we cut off relationships, we disconnect relationships with people who don't share our views on those particular Issues. I, I, I know the trend has been building for several years. This is not the first year it's happened. But I was amazed, and I wasn't sure whether to laugh or cry, but um, I, I was amazed at how many articles I found over thank, the week of Thanksgiving of people encouraging you not to pick fights when you go home to be with your family at Thanksgiving. Like, I don't, I don't think that was a thing five years ago or six years ago. But over the last five or six years, it seems like every time we get around to the holidays, people feel it necessary to say, look, you don't have to talk about that topic with your family. You don't have to talk about your opinion on that thing when you go home for Thanksgiving. You can actually get along with everybody. It's amazing how much 
we talk about that sort of issue at the holidays. Uh, when it comes to loneliness, <clears throat> there is more than just one kind of loneliness. Um, we probably all have it defined in certain ways in our minds. There's more than just one type of loneliness. Jeremy Nobel launched the Unlonely Project in 2016. It's his way of using art to connect people and try to make some headway with the amount of loneliness that we see in the world right now. Nobel describes at least three different types of loneliness. There's what he calls the psychological or interpersonal loneliness. This is the one we typically think of. This is the relational loneliness that we typically think of. Questions like, do I have friends? Do I have someone I can tell my troubles to? Do I have someone I could call if I needed help? Do I have that person in my life? Another type of loneliness he discusses is existential loneliness. Questions like, do I fit into the universe? Does my life have meaning, purpose, weight, etc.? This is the do I matter question. It's not just do I have friends, but is my life, does it matter? Do I have a place in the world? Do I have a purpose? Am I accomplishing something that truly matters with my life? He calls this the existential uh, loneliness um, it, it was interesting in reading his thoughts that loneliness is not reserved for one age group or demographic bracket, that, that we find lonely people uh, who are much older, and we find very lonely people who are 20 and 21 and 22 and 23. And some of it is they're trying to figure this out. Does my life matter? What am, I, what am I going to do with my life? Does anyone understand me? A, a third type of loneliness he calls societal loneliness. When I walk into a room, is my arrival both anticipated and welcome? Like, are there places that I go and people are glad to see me? Are there places that I go and I can be me and I can relax? And when I walk in... People know who I am. People want me to be there. People wave. People call me over to sit with them. We have this desire to be seen, to be known, to be acknowledged, that people would know who we are. I know this will be before some of your times. It dates me just a little bit. But it's one of the reasons the theme song for the old sitcom Cheers is still remembered by so many people, right? The, the, some of the words to the theme song were, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Right? We, we all have that sense of, I want to have places. We don't expect every place to be that way. We, we don't think that our whole life is going to be walking into people cheering for us, but but we want to be able to walk into certain places and know that when we walk in, someone's going to say, Norm, good to see you, right? Or they're going to call your name. They're going to wave to you. Now, the, the show not only presented this very real part of our heart, but, but it was also the suggestion that some of us find those things in the wrong places. Like Some of us find that acceptance in addictions, which is unhealthy and destructive for us because we lack it in other places we seek it out in places that maybe we shouldn't I think more so today people seek it out in what we might call tribalism I, I referenced it just a minute ago 
Like I'm on this side, and so everybody that's on this side is my friend. Uh, everybody that doesn't like them is my friend. Everybody that's mad at them is my friend. You know the old adage, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We see that a lot today. But tribalism, we all agree and we all don't like them. Tribalism is not connection. It's not real connection. It's a pseudo connection. It makes me feel like I'm connected to this huge group of people, but I'm really not. A, better, a more positive example. Uh, we, all of us who sit here, we are all World Series champions, are we not? Like we are. We are. If you're an Atlanta Braves fan, we are all still in Nove the end of November, beginning, we are still and will for like the next 330-something days, right? We are, maybe longer, we are all World Series champions. And there's this wonderful connection to that. There's a connection that we're all buying T-shirts and hats and, and hoodies that say World Series champions and, and, and we're high-fiving people we don't know in the grocery store. Like that, that is a great feeling. The problem is the guy that I high-fived in Kroger with the World Series championship hoodie is not the guy I'm going to call if I need somebody to take me to the hospital next week, right? Like there's a level of connection that we don't get just by being a part of this mass group, whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing. And there's nothing wrong with that connection, right? Casual connection is important. That's a different subject, but casual connection is important, but it's not deep relational connection that reminds me I'm not alone. There are people who know me and love me and miss me when I'm not there and want me to be apart. That is not the same thing. The beginning of 2021, <clears throat> Harvard Magazine published an article called The Loneliness Pandemic by Jacob Sweet. Here's how he defines loneliness. Social psychologists define loneliness as the gap between the social connections you would like to have and those you feel you experience. The ones you would like to have in whatever form and those you're currently experiencing. And again, it's not always foremost on our mind. Like we're not always desiring more connection. But over time, we begin to realize, well, I need connection here. I need connection there. And the lack of it results in loneliness and results in what they describe as this cycle of loneliness that when we're there when our hearts feel disconnected out of relationship no one that I can call on it can be very difficult then to initiate those relationships one reason people tend to be embarrassed by their feelings of loneliness because they think it's a sign of weakness why am I alone I should be stronger than this. I shouldn't feel this way. I should be able to handle things on my own. We convince ourselves that loneliness is a weakness rather than something that we all experience. And so if we're feeling weak, if we're feeling left out, if we're feeling like this is my fault, we have less of an initiative than to reach out and connect with other people. People who are lonely tend not to initiate connection. And that's one of the reasons, because they think, well, something's wrong with me. I'm to blame. I should be stronger than this. So on the one hand, home alone is this really funny, really sarcastic, uh, interesting spin on Christmas holidays with some great 
one-liners, right? When, if you've seen the movie, you know great one-liners like keep the change, you filthy animal, right? They just, just kind of roll off the tongue. This is one of my favorites. This is Kevin again. This house is so full of people, it makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. <laughs> Which there's some married people that can totally relate to that, right? Um, it's full of these funny moments and this, this weird battle between Kevin and, and these bandits. But it also highlights a truth of the Christmas season for a lot of people. That a lot of people feel a sense of aloneness at Christmas. And, and, and whereas Christmas can help with that for some people, because family does come in and connections are sometimes um, reignited. You see people you haven't seen. So there's a, the sense that this could help. But for others, instead of helping, it highlights something in their heart that they wish were different. A connection they wish they had. So for this series, for, for this Advent, I, I want to remind you of two things over and over for the next couple of weeks. And the first thing I want to remind you of is you are not alone. You are not alone. If you're feeling this sense today or if you feel it at some point during the Christmas holidays, you are not alone. This is one of the core messages of the Christmas stories. You are not alone. Someone came to be with you. Someone came to walk through life with you, to never leave you, to never forsake you, to never abandon you. That doesn't mean we don't need other relational connections, but the message of Christmas is someone came for you. That's one of the heartwarming aspects of the movie Home Alone is that the whole time Kevin is wrestling through being alone, someone was coming for him. Someone was trying to get to him the whole time. It was his mom, if you've seen the movie. Someone was trying the whole time. Why? When he was jumping on the bed and when he was missing his family. When he was watching movies he shouldn't have been watching. And when he was sitting in church, there was one person from far away that was doing everything she could to get to him. Pay any price. Negotiate any way she needed to negotiate. Take any form of transportation. Whatever had to be done, Kevin's mom wanted to get to him on Christmas. We serve a God who did what was, whatever was necessary to come to us. A God who did whatever was necessary to leave his home and enter into our world. A world he created and then he stepped into because he refused to stay at a distance from us. He refused to stay separated from us. He didn't just watch from afar. He came so that you and I would not be alone. You are not alone this Christmas. The Old Testament prophets said it like this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's God speaking through Isaiah. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. Whatever your life experience is right now, God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I'm standing with you. In chapter 43, Isaiah writes, But now, 
This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I am with you. And if at some point this Christmas season the the flames begin to rise in your life, if the water feels like it's going to suck you under this Christmas, if the, the river of life is flowing quickly and with rapids and turbulence, God is saying, I'm with you. You are not alone. I am there. No matter your circumstances, I have come to be with you. When the Hebrew children in the Old Testament had been enslaved for 400 years, God sent a man named Moses, and he sent a meal that they would gather around and they would eat to remind them, you're not alone. I have not forgotten you. Your circumstances do not mean you're alone. I am with you. He led them through the sea on dry ground. He gave them a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to say, I'm with you. I'm with you. He taught them how to worship. He brought them to a place where they would worship the Lord. He taught them how to worship. Worship was a gift. Worship is about God, but it's not just for God. Worship is also for us. So that we come together regularly and realize oh, we're not alone in this. We're not alone in the spiritual journey. There are other people with us. God is with us, and other people are walking with us. We are not alone. That's why the psalmist keep encouraging us to worship God. Enter in, they say. Come on, enter in. Get together. Worship the Lord together. Bow down. Raise your hands. Clap your hands. Sing songs. Play instruments. Do this for you as much as for God. That you would know that you are not alone. What, what we do throughout the Christmas season and all year long when we come together is a weekly reminder. We're not alone. We're not alone. It, part of the tragedy of the last two years is that so many have become disconnected from their church, from their place. Where week after week, they saw other people, and people called their name, and people said, we're glad you're here. Let's worship together. We are not alone, and this would be the year. If that's you, maybe you're watching online, and you've just kind of drifted away from a church home, come back. Come back. Be with us. Be with other people who are worshiping the Lord. My challenge to us this year is to choose connection this Christmas. Choose connection. How can we connect with other people? What are the opportunities we have to connect with other people that for this Advent season, we would build bridges and not walls? We would build bridges to relationship and not walls that divide us from other people. Choose connection. Isaiah 7. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah 
would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. We're not alone. God's with us. In Matthew, when the angel is explaining to Joseph about Mary's pregnancy, he again says, this child is going to be called Emmanuel because God's with you. God's with you. Wherever you are, whatever you're walking through, God is with you. It is one of the things that separates us from all other faiths and all the other, other religions that our God came to us. He didn't just sit and watch. He didn't start everything and then, and then go away. He entered into the story here. He entered into our lives. He is Emmanuel. God with us, you are not alone. So I want to remind you that you're not alone. But the second thing I want to remind us of over the next couple of weeks is that you have the ability to remind others they are not alone. Not only are you not alone, but you have the ability and the calling to let other people know that they're not alone in this world. Someone needs you to call their name. Someone needs you to listen to them. Someone needs you to be present in their life this Christmas season. You, you have that opportunity. I have that opportunity. Jesus comes, God in the flesh, incarnate. He lives and he walks and, and then he gives us that ministry. Right? That through his power and the, the indwelling spirit in our lives that we would be the presence of God and Christ in the world to other people who need us this season. Almost every person you encounter this Christmas, almost every person you talk to and see is carrying a weight this Christmas. Probably a weight you know nothing about, a burden you know nothing about. And they're going to smile and they're going to talk and they're going to have lots to say. But deep in their hearts, most people you meet are carrying a burden this Christmas. There's a moment every week just to kind of let you know how my week goes. There's, there's this moment every week, sometimes several moments. Usually it's later in the week, but as I'm preparing to do this every Sunday... There's a moment, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where I, I kind of look at what I've, what I've got prepared and I think, wow, this is terrible. Like, um, I, I don't even know if this makes sense. Is there anybody who needs this? Um, have I said this already? Is, is this going to connect? Is, should I start over? M maybe this isn't what... We need to hear, that person's probably not going to like this. That person's going to subtweet me about this. I'm going to get an email from somebody about, like every week, there's just this onslaught of, maybe this isn't what I need to say. And, and that voice doesn't take holidays off, by the way. So, so Thanksgiving, late Thanksgiving, early Friday, I'm, I'm going through that again, like, is this really where we need to go, God? Because I need to know fast, like really fast that we're changing gears. And Friday morning, I'm at my sister's house and making coffee and going to eat a bagel. And um, my phone rings, and it's my aunt. And, and I, I pick up the phone, 
tell her, hi, happy Thanksgiving, how are you? And she just breaks down. And um, this is my aunt who one year ago, almost exactly, uh, her daughter, my younger cousin, died of cancer a year ago. About four weeks ago, her mom died. She was very close to her mom, very close. And she calls me weeping on Friday, and her sister is in cardiac care in Jacksonville, which is a a list of things that are life-threatening and going wrong in her at the moment. And we cried, and we prayed, and we talked. And I was this Christmas but you're going to talk to a whole lot of people that need to hear that this Christmas you're going to rub shoulders with a whole lot of people and they're not going to tell you and they're not going to explain why to you but they need to know they're not alone I mean if we're for celebrating Advent, which means arrival. It means coming. Christ has come. For celebrating that God has come. See that message this Christmas. Let's live Advent. We are not alone. God is here. He is with us. God, I pray that Advent would be more than a word to us this year. It would be more than a title. It would be more than a season. For Christ has come. And He is coming again. He is here to live with us and walk with us. Give us eyes to see the lonely. Give us eyes to see the hurting. Let us feel you close this Christmas. Thank you, God, that we do not face any circumstances. We do not face any struggles. We do not face any trials alone. Emmanuel has come. God with us. Amen.